The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, the show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll be your moderator for our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. Together, we work to help organizations to transform themselves in the present so they might better prepare their organizations for a more successful future. Today, we're going to have a discussion about the importance of working with and for communities. With me today as our guest panelists are my good friends, Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. Andre, why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience first? All right. Thanks, Tom. Uh, again, Andre Howard with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and uh, here in our national operations uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I primarily work with our center and leadership. So glad to be here and part of the conversation. Good to have you as well. Rihanna, good to have you with us. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Thanks, Tom. Um, yes, I'm Rohana, and I am the Senior Associate of Knowledge, Leadership, and Innovation at the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, and I work closely with Andre and the Center on Leadership to um, help better enable leaders in our sector to be high impact. Good to have you both. With us today also is our special guest, Jonda Smith-Baker, the President and CEO of Pillsbury United Communities. We'll ask Chanda to introduce herself to us in a moment after this brief introduction. When elected public officials from across the country are asked what they would be willing to fund in the future, their answers, regardless of their political orientation, tend to be remarkably consistent. They say that they'll be willing to fund services that can demonstrate that as a direct result of their application, they're able to produce safe children, stable families, strong communities, and reduce poverty. Many believe that that's the political agenda for the next decade. Safe children, stable families, strong communities, and reduce poverty. Few are better positioned to respond to that political agenda than our special guest today, Chanda Smith-Baker, the president and CEO of Pillsbury United Communities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Chanda, we're honored to have you with us today. Would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Yeah, Tom, I'd be glad to, and thank you um, so much for the invitation. Um, as mentioned, I'm the president and CEO of Pillsbury United Communities and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, you know, I've worked in community um, all of my career. I believe in the power of community and um, the endless possibilities. I lead a 
nonprofit that is um, extremely complex, operating uh, uh, five neighborhood centers, a training and development center, a professional theater, um, six other social enterprises, and a couple of LLCs, so I'm busy. Um, I guess you are. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, I, and I love the work. Fantastic. Well, we're honored to have you. The work that you're describing, you know, it's quite impressive. And the agenda that you have for your organization and for your community is very ambitious. In your own words, I wonder if you'd take a couple moments and just talk about what you believe Pillsbury United Community is called to try to do with and for your community. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting time where um, I think issues facing community are becoming more and more pronounced. Um, we're seeing them every day on uh, television and in the paper and in the lives of, of those that we um, serve. Um, Pillsbury has gone through a journey in the last uh, two years or so to really push that question to figure out how can we um, kind of disrupt our, our current way of operating and doing business um, and how do we recognize that um, it is extremely important for us to understand systemically what's at play and, um, and to be able to identify the role that Pillsbury um, has in just not operating strong, excellent programs, but in fact moving the needle for mm -hmm. the people that we are working um, with and for. Um, in community. And so one of the things that um, I am consistently saying is that as uh, an organization, Pillsbury United Communities has to partner with community to be more impactful outside of our doors as we are um, inside, either as impactful or more impactful outside of our doors. And when I say that, I mean that um, all of these issues have a policy or a practice or a procedure that is creating a barrier Mm -hmm. That needs to be understood either by the community that we're serving or it needs to be changed because it's harming the community that we're serving. Um, and we have a responsibility um, to operate in that place. Um, that um, we need to focus on um, developing leadership capacity within uh, communities um, to respond and, and act uh, on their own behalf. Um, and we need to become more innovative and more creative on how we deliver our services um, so that they remain relevant um, and they are uh, moving uh, families and individuals in, in the way that um, really secures their future. Beautiful. You shared with me uh, the strategic framework for your organization. And within that strategic framework, it says that you're focused on two strategies, impact and capacity. I wonder if you would first talk with us about your impact strategy. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think this, this goes nicely into, um, you know, transitions nicely from the first question. One was that, you know, I could look at what we were doing as an organization and say, you know, our programs are producing, they're exceeding um, the expected outcomes, um, and I could, I could rest easily right there. But then when I look at community and what's happening, I see racial disparities and gaps increasing every single year, and those two things weren't lining up. And so our focus on uh, impact in the strategic framework is really a renewing of the commitment of what it is that we're here to do, um, what is the vision that we have for ourselves and for community, and, you know, how do we move towards actualizing that? It is um, a time where 
uh, resources have been shrinking, and um, in some cases, funders are becoming, in a lot of cases, more prescriptive. Sure. Um, and so when that happens, how do you create the culture in an organization that uh, remains committed to thinking for itself mm-hmm. um, and opposed to um, just uh, implementing um, the work as planned? How do we continue to be forward-thinking um, and, and push ourselves beyond our own comfort zone as an organization? Mm-hmm. Um, this was about us reorganizing everything that we did so that we understood what is the area of impact. So we have education, youth and family, uh, wellness and nutrition, employment and training, and asset creation as our impact areas. Um, yeah, and so, you know, the next thing was not what programs fit in there, but what gaps are we trying to move in those respective areas? Um, mm-hmm. The way that I looked at it is that, um, you know, the most important gap is the belief gap, that if we don't believe that the community can um, reach a, a high standard of excellence, um, if we don't believe it and they don't believe it for themselves, then the programs uh, don't matter. Right. So we need to uh, focus on the relationship, focus on our own biased behavior, and um, and operate in the most respectful way that elicits um, the type of outcomes that we want to see for ourselves in the community. Um, yeah. And thank you. And then we identified what are the outcomes in each one of those areas. Um, I felt that it was important that every program, every person understood um, where they fit and what they are uh, working to accomplish and um, the vision of that work. So we laid that out um, in our framework. And then after we laid it out logically, the goal actually is to shake it all up and um, to actually develop uh, um, um, an uh, um, interconnected approach, um, Mm -hmm. working to make sure that we have this, um, um, that the programs, in fact, aren't operating in silos. With that, we're integrating, let's say, youth and family and, and, and wellness and employment and training together or, you know, making sure that families have um, actually gained capacity in each of those areas to be um, well on their way towards um, stability. Very and wise. so we're looking at, for instance, how do we look at our nutrition programs and bring in more wellness? Um, one, one example to illustrate this is that we had um, – a meal program during the day mm-hmm. that operated a few years back as a soup kitchen. And then that meal um, lunch program then became more of a family meal. It became more of a community cafe where people sat around the table and ate together. Mm-hmm. And then we had someone that uh, came into the organization and, and made a request for uh, a special menu item. <laughs> and our staff were thinking, you know, it's not a restaurant, it's a free meal. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, if, if this guy is diabetic, we have an obligation and responsibility to make sure that we're causing no harm. So let's talk about what does it mean to um, think about what we're offering differently. Mm-hmm. So that then turned into a ground-to-plate kind of curriculum with uh, community gardens. Um, we, we pushed it a little further and hired a sous chef from the community who um, is now training other neighbors that are preparing that food, and they're getting uh, industry-recognized certification out of that kitchen. Well, that's um, wonderful. That they're learning and growing in in their own neighborhood, cooking for their neighbors, 
and um, and then we added a, a catering business, which has been um, growing and, and very successful. And so in our framework, that just illustrates that here we have four of our impact areas that are operating together in a mm-hmm. much more impactful, efficient way, and that's really the goal. Outstanding. Well, why don't you begin to talk just a bit before our break about your capacity strategy? Yeah, you know, it was very much about, you know, let's 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 move away from talking about how much money we need and um and move to the point of saying this is what we can do with the resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Um it was um really saying that if we want to do the work um and have the impact we want to have, then it means every person that works in this organization needs to be contributing and equipped to do so. Um it was about really focusing in on organizational excellence, making sure that um, no different than impact that our internal systems, such as evaluation and leadership development, technology, finance, that they were all operating together um, in a way that allowed us to actually, I think, be more effective in, in, in our impact goals mm-hmm. um, to really push us to think forward. Um, and I've talked about it in terms of evaluation is not something that a uh, funder, uh, you know, makes you do. It's something that you need to do in order to drive uh, impact and to fuel innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we want every area of capacity to be something that elicits an action. Fantastic. Um, if that makes sense. So communication, for instance, let's not just communicate to pat our own backs, but let's communicate to inspire action. Mm-hmm. We want someone to make a different choice. We want them to vote differently, give differently, think differently, um, or make different choices as a result of the work. That's wonderful. Now, hang on. Hold that thought. We'll be back because we're going to take a short break, and then we hope that everyone will come right back with us. Be back in a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen for new episodes every month on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And our special guest today is Chanda Smith-Baker, the President and CEO of Pillsbury United Communities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In the last segment, Chanda spoke to us about her two strategies, impact and capacity. Now, Chanda, it's been said that any organization that's devoted to strengthening their community has to have the ability to shift its shape and focus as the needs and values of their communities shift. First of all, do you agree with this? And if you do, how do you manage to stay abreast of the changing needs and values within your community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely do agree with it. Um, and, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm very close to community, so I feel comfortable that um, I'm, I'm either engaged in the issue or I have um, surrounded myself with people that are able to... Um, do a little bit of checks and balances on where what I'm thinking and how I am approaching um, the work. You know, as an organizational leader, I think it's important that I am informed um, and connected to the issues so that I can be um, a resource to our staff. Mm-hmm. That I can um, push them if, in fact, um, where where they're headed and where they're thinking doesn't line up with what the community is stating. Um, I think data says a lot. Um, we could be doing something one way and think it's fantastic, but if community is not responding, if they're not showing up, um, if they show up and they don't stay, um, there's a number of ways that we can evaluate whether or not our solution is the right solution for a community. Mm-hmm. Um, as an organization, you know, coming um, particularly out of the settlement house movement, um, we we operate very much in um, partnership with community co-creating solutions, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, community voice, youth voice, is very much embedded in our work. It's it's very rare that we are creating something in 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 a in an office in the boardroom um, that we just roll out. It usually comes from community to the boardroom and then back out to community. Beautiful, makes all the sense in the world. Now. Mm-hmm. If you're not involved at this point and you don't have all the ways that you presently have to be able to hear the voice of a community, what would be some first steps that someone might take to begin to hear the voice of the community? Oh, man. You know, so so in this conversation, I'm thinking of, of me as leader and then, um, and, you know, and how I am in community and then the responsibility largely um, with our staff. So as an organizational leader, um, we value people that have experienced, um, have lived experience or that are from the uh, communities that we are working with. So at Pillsbury United Community, 71% of our staff represent communities of color mm-hmm. um, and live within the neighborhoods um, that we work within, including myself. 
Um, so I think that's one way is that our staff are coming with a high degree of understanding and experience, which mm-hmm. just better informs and equips the organization to do its work. On an individual level, um, you, I think it's important for people to know that they are partnered with community and not there to um, serve them or tell them yes. in kind of the uh, parochial kind of, of manner. Mm-hmm. Um, as we say, you can't you can't otherwise this other uh, do the otherism in the work like the other people like we're over here and they're over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to lead in authentic ways, um, be able to share experience so you understand another's experience. Um, you can't just listen to someone's experience and then try to um, prescribe something that works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think understanding history is essential. Um, and education is, is, is a key point, I think, and, and I often talk about um, just the, the laws of, of the land and um, Brown versus the Board of Education and School Integration, which happened in my mother's generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some states across the country, there were African-American people that weren't allowed to integrate schools, school systems that shut down. Um, folks due to policy that didn't have access to homes and other things. And so when you look at it, we're not that far out for some communities. Um, and when you understand it historically, it becomes much broader than individual choice. Mm-hmm. Um, individual choice uh, clearly has something to do with it, but it, but it lays on top, it lies on top of systemic issues and other um, intersecting uh, realities that is important for us uh, and, and I think important for people in this work to understand. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, listening, I think, is one of the best ways to uh, understand people. Well, within your life, you have mm-hmm. had some experiences that make it very easy for you to understand the voice of many of those that you seek to serve. Could you talk with our audience a little bit about some of your experiences and how they help you to more fully understand what it is your community really needs you to do? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a fifth generation, or I'm raising the fifth generation of um, leaders in my home uh, in North Minneapolis, which is uh, one of the uh, most uh, talked about um, neighborhoods in Minneapolis due to the, the disparities in number of um, perceived uh, and, and real barriers there. So I think growing up in a community that is constantly being um, defined outside of the community has certainly um, been a great influence. Um, when people talk about communities and, and saying, you know, we've got to get in there and um, fix it because it's so broken, um, and you hear that as a child, um, I remember um, thinking really clearly growing up, well, what about, what about me? You know, how I'm hearing this described is not descriptive of me or my family or my experience. So I think I take that everywhere um, with me, with everything you need to um, think through and, and address as a nonprofit organization. There are that many other things that are actually assets. Um, and possibilities, and so um, I choose to, to focus on the asset and possibility. Um, I have uh, five children that I'm raising, and they have a lot of friends, <laughs> um, and they have parents, and so I think just in my own home, in my community, um, I'm very well networked and connected, and um, as you know, kids tell you the truth. 
of their experience, oh, yeah. and and I rely heavily on on my children and their peers to keep mm-hmm. me informed on what's happening um, in their world. Um, it, pro- it provides a perspective that I think is necessary. Um, I think most tragically, as I was entering into this role, and uh, and Andre knows. Um, this and many at the Alliance is my first week of uh, CEO. I think my fifth day or so, I had a, a cousin that was murdered here in the community oh, um, who was going to be a Minneapolis uh, cop and got caught uh, kind of in the middle of something. Um, and he was shot and killed. And I remember very early in my leadership saying to my staff, um, as I was in the pit of probably the worst grief I've ever experienced, that this is, this is why I'm in this work. Um, to prevent the, the the victimizer and the victim, mm-hmm. um, that uh, if if you don't agree with my decisions, uh, please understand my passion and commitment sure. uh, because it's there, um, and, uh, and we're here to uh, remedy these issues. Um, a tornado hit not long after that um, in in North Minneapolis, where my home was hit, and several of our office buildings were hit. Um, so while I was uh, leading here um, the, the tornado recovery for the, the city, I was able to be able to say, you know, I'm going through the same experience as the neighbors that we are working to um, to ensure that they're safe and have a place to, to come back to. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just being as connected, um, you know, the foreclosure, family members being foreclosed on, um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm right in the middle of it in in ways that I think are just useful. Yeah, powerful. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that that I really wanted to ask you about is when folks talk about strengthening communities, they often say that whatever we can do to help our families to be more stable, we're doing the best thing that we could ever do to strengthen our communities. Do you have thoughts about that? I do. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm I'm in the work that I'm in now because of my family, both um, in in legacy and um, and and their support uh, as a as a working mom. And so I believe in that. I believe in structure and um, an opportunity and uh, being um, connected. That families should not be isolated. Individuals should not be isolated. Um, I do think that in nonprofits, uh, we're, we're shifting slowly from a traditional family to the non-traditional family in the way that we approach the work. Sure. Um, and I think that's important. Uh, um, there's many people coming to this country who have lost all of their families, and what it looks like uh, may be different across experiences. Um, but however people define family, I think we need to um, in- invest in it. Um, in our organization, it's been a key discussion um, and focusing on individuals and families building strong um, links and, and bridges and bonds and how do they build the social capital they need. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we are focusing on ensuring that our programming is not, in fact, separating the family. Yes. Um, there might be a, a, a role for fathers to be in a separate group by themselves, but there might be um, a time where we need the whole family together. Sure. Um, and so we're thinking about how we do that better. How do we make sure that um, kids just aren't in the daycare when we're talking with parents, but we're all in community together, learning from each other, modeling to each other, um, and listening across generations? 
um, because we think that is critical. It is a critical element. Um, at the end of the day, nonprofits are, are limited in what they can do. Um, our hours are limited. Our, our reaches is, is somewhat limited. Um, and so who the family and individuals surround themselves by is um, instrumental to uh, the, the decisions, choices, and the support that they, they get. Fantastic. How do you think that your history as a settlement house uh, plays into your view of the importance of family? Um, you know, as, as an organization, I think that it plays into who we are today, and I think a part of our framework is actually, you know, claiming, claiming our, our role as a multi-service uh, nonprofit. Um, we, we do lots of things, and, and sometimes people are surprised by it and say, well, why don't you just do one thing well? <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and, and you know, my my response typically is that poverty is complex, yeah. and uh, one thing is not going to solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I love an interconnected, holistic approach of dealing with whole people and whole communities. Yeah. Um, that's that's just where I land in the work. Um, that's my viewpoint in the work, but I think it also um, sits nicely with my value and the organizational um, value and history within the settlement uh, movement, which mm-hmm. really is about um, creating places and spaces for community that um, is emerging, that is newly arrived, emerging, um, struggling to connect um, as a community and build a culture um, of, of support and mm-hmm. that they contribute to their own solutions. Um, and that's very much true in our work today. Outstanding. Well, we'll be back after a short break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. Our special guest today is Chanda Smith-Baker. In the last segment, we were discussing with Chanda the various ways to hear the voice of your community so you can manage to shift as the needs and values of the community shift. In this segment, Chanda, I'd like to talk with you about your style of leadership as the president and CEO of Pillsbury United Communities. I'd like you to talk a little bit about your leadership style within your organization and then your leadership style when you are in the community, working and leading and listening, and if possible that you use two different styles and it's possible that you just use one style. Could you talk to us about your leadership style? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, that uh, I stay fairly consistent, but obviously I have to be smart about what's needed at what time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that um, I, I lead with, with vision. Um, I lead with a high degree of trust in our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, our organization structurally is flat because I like to be close to um, the, the issues um, so that I can understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be, be challenging in many ways, but I think uh, those challenges are worth it. Um, um, the more I understand what uh, our staff managers, directors are, are faced with, um, the more of a resource I can be um, for them. Um, as I see my job is um, creating the conditions for them to do their, their best work. Mm-hmm. Um, I see myself um, coaching probably more inside of the organization. Um, I believe in um, folks taking on stretch positions. Um, I don't believe in answering things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, co- uh, you know, I, I want to see the result, but their journey is theirs to discover and to learn um, how they best lead and operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think we're, we're high energy around here. I like to, to laugh and, and create uh, an environment that uh, fuels innovation. Um, I think outside of the organization, um, I'm, I'm partner. Um, I like to partner. Um, I like to um, push the envelope a little bit, so I may be a, a bit of a an instigator. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm not a group thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely will um, bring the voice of community in and at the table um, if I think it's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I function well in collaborative settings. Um, I get called into those spaces quite a bit, and I think um, it, it very much has to do with um, that I do think that it's it's all about relationships and partnerships. So th- that's what I think. You know, I lead. I, I sit on many boards. Um, so I'm, I, I think I demonstrate a, a complete commitment to the work, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to jump in internally and externally. So I, that's how I would describe myself. Excellent. Now, I'm picking up from our conversation 
that when you are training your leaders to go out and represent your organization in the community, I'm sensing that, that you're training your leaders for a kind of a style themselves that you want them to represent within your community. Could you share with us a couple rules that you might share with your leaders when they are representing your organization, how you want them to react and respond when they're out in the community? Mm -hmm. I I want them to um, contribute. Um, I want them to raise the standard of what it means to contribute. Come prepared, um, think smart, um, challenge convention, um, and bring your best foot forward mm-hmm. um, at everything that, that we do. As I say, that I want, I want people in community to be really aware of the brand of Pillsbury United Communities, and they're part of that brand that um, how they represent themselves in community is reflective of the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I hope that folks stay with us for a long time, but when they don't um, and they're seeking other positions um, to move up, um, I want someone to see a resume and see those very United communities on there and know that they need to interview that person because they know that they're bringing um, nothing but the best to the table. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Pulling persons together to work in a united fashion to accomplish anything is really difficult. We have to hear many diverse voices and then develop a unified plan. What guiding principles do you usually use when you're trying to pull people together to develop a unified plan? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, listen, um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of listening and um I think, you know, at, at that point, it's, it's gaining agreement on why we are developing a plan, what is the purpose of the work um, beyond the, the goal or the task, but is it, you know, what benefit is it to the community um, so that we understand kind of a higher purpose, mm-hmm. um, if you will, start with the why, <laughs> um, as Simon yes. Sinek says. Um, I believe that uh, in in group settings, you have to invest in building uh, trust and relationships around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to manage the table so that um, one person or, or groups of folks aren't uh, kind of dominating the discussion. And I think sure. that feeds into the um, inclusive environment. Um, you have to have fun. And, um, you know, it's likely that... Uh, there are going to be people that won't agree. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think early on you have to get people to um, be able to um, be willing to compromise. Um, mm-hmm. There are times that I've gone down and, you know, we, we're all in disagreement, and I think that's, that's why I'm in the role to lead. And sometimes you just have to say, okay, well, here's, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most things can happen by consensus, and a lot of things can't, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I think that if you believe in the purpose, then how you get there, um, people are willing to uh, resign a little bit there. Sure. Can you give us an example of a time when you really tried to pull a diverse group together to accomplish something that was really important, but you weren't successful and but you learned something from that process? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had, I've had a few of those. Um, I think education might be the one that has um, bothered 
me the most. And um, Pillsbury United uh, is an authorizer of charter schools, and we really focus on um, dropout recovery at the at the secondary education level. Mm-hmm. So in our high schools, um, we're basically recruiting um, kids or recovering kids into their education after them um, being disengaged or dropped out or um, in the criminal justice system, and we're working to get them back in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, our average freshman is 17 years old. Um, they may be, I don't know, six, seven, eight uh, grades behind in reading. Um, and I think there's such an overemphasis on um, proficiency rates. Mm-hmm. And so I was working really hard at one point to expand um, the definition of what it means to be successful in schools, especially for this particular population. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just couldn't crack it. Um, I, I think I will. I'm not, I'm not completely <laughs> giving up on it. <laughs> um, I believe you're probably still working it. Yes, I'm still working it. I had to, I had to um, step back and catch a breath and put things in perspective. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think things don't work because they're, it's not ready to work, or you're not exactly. ready, right? Exactly. And so yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily see it as as a failure. I, I think it's 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 a good time to evaluate. Um, number one, am I the right spokesperson for it? Mm-hmm. Um, is this the right time for it politically? What's at play? Um, who else do I need on the team? And um, you know, is there a, a, you know other ways to accomplish this? Yes. But at the time, I was quite frustrated. And what I had to learn is that um, you know, change doesn't have, happen at at a fast rate. Um, and that uh, the goals that we have established as a community for education are just as valid for kids that are in the lower grades, um, that we need to get solidly on the right path with reading and math, mm-hmm. um, that many people operate with a very traditional lens, that sure. you go into school at, at 5 and you come out at 17, 18, and that's what, what happens. And even though I think uh, we understand to some extent, I think that, Collectively, we don't understand that there are some kids that um, are episodic in their um, school attendance, um, either by year, um, mm-hmm. moving in many communities, that uh, there's children out there that are, are not just being recruited by gangs um, in the neighborhood, they're being recruited by gangs in their families. And so um, this is, I think, goes to your earlier point, this is about teaching and exposing more of the experiences of communities so that solutions could be there for everyone. Yes. Um, and that's a big piece of the work. And, okay. and, I, and I take that quite seriously. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give an example of where you pulled a diverse group together and were tremendously successful? Oh, well, I think, you know, with our framework internally um, in the organization, it's, it's really a lot about organizational change. Um, there was a bit of uh, pull and push in the beginning, and I, I feel way more um, unified as an organization and, and comfortable, and the feedback has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2011, um, I mentioned the tornado earlier. Uh, I was asked to lead um, a, a level of the recovery around the human service organizations and making sure uh, everyone in the community had what they needed. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like any other disaster recovery where tension is high. 
and people want to know where the money, where's the resource, where's the leadership, um, and you're trying to respond to lots of needs that existed before and then um, compounded by tornado and um, you know, additional kind of trauma on top of it. It was it sure. was very difficult. Um, I, I think that we were able to come together um, despite that to make sure that we were focused on um, children and families and making sure they had stability. Now, you know, every step along the way. Were the huh? members of your organization? Yes. Well, you know what? We, I did this in partnership, and, um, again, I was, it was new in my position. I was about 20 days in. Um, we did this with uh, a group of partners. So our agency and I took the lead, and we had, I don't know, 9 or 10, 12 other organizations as part of a collaborative to do this work. Beautiful. Um, you have a range of, of organizations that, um, where they are in size and, and capacity and capabilities, um, it was complicated while I was going through it. I don't know if I would told it as a success um, mm-hmm. because it came with all of the frustrations of, of that type of work. But when I got out of it and looked back and said all of the folks that had been impacted by that tornado have mm-hmm. a place to live and access to um, the resources that they needed, it was, it was truly successful. Fantastic. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us, please. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. 
We're back. I'm Tom Wall. With me is Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. We're talking with our special guest, Chanda Smith-Baker. In the last segment, we talked with Chanda about her leadership style and discussed ways to get persons from diverse backgrounds to reach agreement on ways to work together to accomplish important things in their communities. In this final segment, we usually ask our special guests to offer some advice to other leaders in the field. Chanda, what advice do you have to offer for those who see the importance of strengthening their communities and want to get involved, but don't have the rich background of community involvement and community leadership that you have? Can you offer some ideas on some first steps that they might take? Yeah, I mean, I think the word their community is 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 really pointed in that question. Um, I think the first step is that uh, you have to see yourself as part of that community, um, part of the community that you're trying to influence and change and be engaged in. Um, secondly, I'm from the community, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't born with the level of involvement that I have now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, was, it was a choice. It was an intentional choice um, for me to um, step into um, being engaged and involved in communities in ways that I hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think if, if there is any barrier of people thinking that they have to have significant experience, if I have to be from a community, um, to do the work, I, I would say, you know, get rid of that, that way of thinking. Uh, we need all hands and, and good minds on deck. Um, and there are many organizations and community um, members um, that need help and support. Um, and, uh, you know, who you are and what you bring to the table is, is enough. So I think that there's a degree of, of confidence in what you bring to the table, um, particularly when you have not had the experience. And um, I actually seek those type of folks because sometimes when you're in the work, you miss stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the first step is just making the commitment, stepping in, um, doing it. And obviously you have to listen. Um, I'm from the community and I, and I keep saying that because, um, I think it's relevant, but it's not the most relevant thing. Um, mm-hmm. I still have to listen. I still have to, um, um, engage people around issues. Um, I can't come in and think I know what's going to happen or what needs to happen on behalf of any particular group. Um, I have to listen, and I think that is one of the most uh, important roles um, to demonstrate a commitment um, to be willing to show that I'm, I'm willing to go there in partnership with community um, as a leader, I think, is, is essential. So that's, that's what I would say is, you know, understand everybody has to start somewhere. Um, go in despite uh, inexperience. You'll gain it over time. It's a journey. Um, and to really um, engage in, in listening. Beautiful. I mean, one of the things, surely that I have picked up in interviews with folks who are very, very community involved is a perception that you want to come in more tentative than some leaders uh, are used to being. Uh, You don't want to come in saying you already know the solution because you may not even know the problem. Well, that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I think that is the problem uh, right now is that there's too many people that think they know the solution and they're not involving people that um, are living the experience. Um, they're not allowing that voice and that experience to actually um, ring true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we have to be really uh, careful and, and conscious of that. 
Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Beautiful. Andre, you had a question. Can I, Tom, can I pop in there for a quick, a quick second? Because I think this might be a good good uh, intervention here in terms of just a, a tangent to what you asked earlier, Tom. I think, uh, you know, the questions you, you've been asking have been spot on. But I would love to uh, push uh, uh, Shonda Smith-Baker just a bit, uh, a wonderful person, great leader, uh, a great inspirer. You know, but uh, I know our time is limited here, but even as I think about your role as a person of color in, in the leadership um, perspective in the sector, uh, I, I mean, for just a moment, if you could be just transparent, I guess, to some degree, uh, how has that experience been for you as a, a person of color uh, in a leadership role uh, in the human serving sector? And if you could comment on this whole uh, issue that we've been dealing with and grappling with in our nation around uh, the discussion around race, uh, I'd love to have some of your insight uh, in terms of that as well, because I think more and more folks are looking at the sector to say, hey, are there answers? Are, are, are there things that we should be understanding about the discussion around issue race? But I'd love to have your introspect in terms of those those questions. Oh, man. You know, I wish we had an hour. <laughs> we... Um, this is this is a tough one, and I think you know we've experienced um, to some degree as a country this week with with President Obama and his comments. Um, I think there's a fine line that you walk as a leader of color um, on these issues. Um, right now, they have been uh, very present with with African American uh, communities, which I'm from. Um, I can talk about race to an extent, but then um, people get very uncomfortable. So I have to constantly like balance this line between what I, what's my truth, and what other people are willing to hear. Um, and that's that's very difficult um, to kind of reserve, if you will, um, really what what your experience is, um, because you don't want to isolate people from being in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, the reality that we've seen in the most overt, um, painful ways. Um, there's, there's subtle ways in which this happens. Um, those type of kind of inequities or challenges or barriers happen every day in leadership and in communities that um, I don't think we're anywhere near willing to face. Um, you know, this is one of, I think, one of my toughest challenges a- as a leader. Um, and then, more importantly, many of the tables that I sit at aren't reflective of the community or the diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes, if you're the only or one of the only people of color at the table, um, especially, you know, as Tom talked about being in consensus, it's hard to be in consensus if you're the only one that has the experience. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that's a difficult balance because on one hand, you want to say, I actually have the experience and know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you all have to listen to what I am that, you know, what I'm saying. And I think that community uh, organizations that aren't diverse um, really ought to pay attention to um, who they're listening to. If you're a leader and you don't have a, deg- a diverse group of people around you with diverse experiences, you're, you're missing out. Um, you're missing out on the issue. You're missing out on having a valid uh, perspective reflective of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, you're missing out on the, the breadth of experience and, and possibilities that that uh, group will bring um, to the table and to your work. Um, and I think it's, it's how we are going to begin to uh, change the outcome in community. Yeah. Well said. Well said. 
and, and again, I, I just think it's, a, it's an awful important issue, and I think as uh, our nation continues to grapple with uh, just this issue of race, it's time that we continue to have those frank uh, and perhaps at times uncomfortable discussions. And I know it's a challenge for uh, a lot of uh, folks in neighborhoods, but I think the sector, this sector, I think could, could certainly be a good example of taking the lead in helping to craft and start that conversation. So I just brought that up because I thought that was very powerful. Yeah. I think the nonprofit sector is, is necessary to the discussion, and, you know, I don't know if we're actually discussing it. I think that at this point we're talking at each other, and many of the issues, even the issues that are being polled, break down by racial um, lines or gender lines, and so um, what it seems like is no different than what's happening in politics. Um, the ethnic groups, uh, white is staying on one side, black more or less. Um, you know, it's just very interesting how the division happens. Um, although I think our younger generations are getting it um, better, and, uh, and I'm not saying this to say that there's not allies on, on any, you know, on all these issues. But broadly, I, I think it's time to step it up and really push this discussion. Sure. Well, maybe we'll come back and have another conversation, take an hour and explore this issue more fully. Shonda, thank you so much for your time and your thoughts today. Outstanding conversation. Andre and Rihanna, thank you so much thank as well. Can. We've run out of time. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. This is Leadership Matters. And until next time, thanks for being with us. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.